Welcome to the podcast of the preaching ministry of LifePoint Church, led by Pastor Lane Harrison. We pray this ministry is a blessing for your life. For more information about LifePoint, please visit lifepointozark.com. For more information and resources from Pastor Lane, please visit mlaneharrison.com. All right, more. We're in a series entitled More, Jesus from Beginning to End. And our aim in this series is to cultivate and to labor, to stir up within each of us a deeper longing for Jesus. And we've said throughout, and the reason I keep saying this is because I want to drive it so deeply into your psyche that you couldn't forget it. But to know God is to long for more Jesus And that is so important for us, friends. And today, we come to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we are beginning that final approach, if you will, on this letter of Paul to the church at Thessalonica. And as we look today, we're going to look at living ready for God's more. Living ready for God's more. Let's go to the text. I want to read the text aloud, and then we will come back to the message. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, For that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. May God bless the reading, the hearing, the understanding, and the obeying of his word today. I need to begin this morning by getting very personal with you for a moment. I need to tell you a story, and I need to confess up front, I'm not proud of this story. But as a senior in high school, I made a significant decision about my life that I would always live ready. I decided that I would always sleep in gym shorts. Now that decision in and of itself is not important, but the why is critically important. As a senior in high school, the phone rang late one night, about 1 a.m., after I'd come in from a night on the town with my friends. And on the other end was a friend in our small community where I lived, and in a very panicked voice, they said, their house is on fire. And he called out the name of the friend that we had been with that night. 
And so I jumped up and I threw my shoes on and I jumped in my car and with the rest of our small community drove furiously the two miles over to their house where they lived. As I pulled up, I was so relieved as as many, many people had already arrived on the scene. I saw almost first of all my friend and all of his family that had escaped successfully from their house fire. However, standing there among many, many people and with all that he had managed to escape with, he stood there in his underwear. I wish I could tell you he was in boxers. I'm thankful he wasn't in bikini briefs. But that night, as I saw the tragedy of my friend's house burn and lose everything, all I could think was I will never get caught running out of a burning house only in my underwear. I will be ready. Now you laugh at that. I live by that, friends. There is an impression burned upon my psyche, likely yours now too, that I will never forget. I see that night vividly, and I remember. Therefore, I live, or you might say sleep, ready. Maybe that's more than you were ready for this morning. But I say that to look at a very serious point and ask of us, are we living ready for the Lord? Living in such a way that we are prepared for the more that God has for us, or are we only living for the more that we want for us? Are we living for more faith to trust God in ways that we've not yet fully surrendered our life to him? Are we living in such a way for more love, to to learn to love not only those that are easy to love, but those that are nothing like us, yea, even our enemies? Are we living ready for the hope of Christ and all that he is and ultimately all that he shall usher in when he comes again and living for that hope to grow in us. You see, friends, we have seen that Jesus satisfies all of life's demands. And because of that, he is our one hope hope that anchors our life. And today, as Paul builds up on his teaching about the coming of the Lord at the end of chapter 4. He expands upon that in chapter 5 and he introduces to us how it is that we live ready for God's more. Here's what I want you to walk away with today. Christians live ready for God's more by consuming life with Jesus now. Christians live ready for God's more by consuming life with Jesus. Now, I want to identify four truths in these 11 verses by which we can live ready for Jesus. And the first truth I want you to see today is simply this, that Christians live ready by the Lord's revelation. Jesus will return. In verses 1, 2, and 3, 
Paul expounds on what he had just taught and comforted the Thessalonians with to encourage and exhort them. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, what he's saying to them is this. We don't question whether Jesus will return, but rather because we know he will return. In other words, this is a settled matter, friends. This is not for speculation. This is not for some kind of consideration that makes it something less than, but rather essential to the Christian faith is that we understand as sure as Jesus came and walked upon the face of this earth, so he has promised we believe he will come again. He will come again in all of his glory. He will come physically and visibly And when he comes, he will not only split the sky, but he will split those who believe in him from those who have not believed in him. And Paul is comforting the Thessalonians. If you remember, they were very concerned and anxious about those who believed but had fallen asleep or had died before his coming. And Paul said, I don't only want you to be comforted about the fact that Jesus will bring those who sleep in Christ first and then we will join them in the air. But I want you to understand what this moment, what this event will be like. And so he gives further instruction about the Lord's coming. And in his instruction, he moves from a a congregational or a corporate Christian, if you will, understanding of all of us to more of an individualized experience that will take place. And he does so to show the shock and the judgment that will occur for those who are unprepared. He emphasizes what Paul states in Romans 14, 12, that each on this day will give account of himself to God. You see, the Thessalonians needed nothing more than what they already knew about Christ's return, that he would come, Paul says, like a thief in the night. It was an unknown time, but it was not an unknown time truth and for those who believed it was not something to fear you see friends being ready for Jesus's return is determined by the way we live now it's not an item for your task list it's not a honeydew to put off until a more opportune time being ready for Jesus's return because we know he will is determined by the way we live now and what Paul says is for those who don't believe the Lord's return would be very different from those who do believe it would be (gasps) unsuspected It would be completely shocking. Because of their unbelief, Paul says, it will be traumatic and horrifying for them. You see, they're consumed not with the peace and security of Christ, but they are consumed with their own peace and security. And they are living by claiming this mantra that life is exactly where we want it to be. We are comfortable and we are confident in what we have done. We are stable and we are secure. We are in control of life. 
but this pseudo-reality that is counter to the truth of God will be shattered in an instant. You see, friends, unbelief is more than just a decision. Unbelief is a denial of truth. It's a denial of ultimate reality. It is a denial of the Lord's revelation. And while they claim to have everything under control, it will come, Paul says, suddenly upon them. He describes it this way, as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Listen, friends, we're in control of a lot of things, but that helpless little baby, when it is time for them to come, they're in control of all. And that's what Paul is saying here. That's the way it will be. For the one to whom it is happening will have no control over it. They will be helpless to stop it and they will succumb to it. You see, friends, unbelief blinds to the reality of God's word, of God's revelation. But it doesn't remove us from the suffering under the consequences of our denial, our rejection of our unbelief. And those who do not believe in Jesus do not know that he will return. And that his return will be a complete shock and devastation for them. And with a suddenness, with a surprise of birth pangs, Paul says, the thief will come to steal from their comfort and to steal their security. What they thought secured them. And where they held the comfort in their life of that security will in an instant be gone. And they will have been completely unaware, completely unprepared, exposed, and completely defenseless. This is the scenario Paul is describing for us. For those who do not believe in Jesus, in that instant, Romans says, will be found without excuse. In that moment, their unbelief will be immortalized. And that's what he is telling us about that time. But he also gives counsel here for Christians. Because Christians should heed Paul's counsel as well. You see, one great distraction for Christians in our everyday life is that too often we come to God demanding he give us more information before he can somehow expect our obedience. And friends, I want to help you here, and I want to encourage you, but I pastorally say to you, cautiously, do not give light consideration to this counsel from Paul. For we regularly pose to God terms of our conditions upon which we mitigate our relationship with him. And Paul's warning us about that as well. We don't live by specified terms and conditions of relationship. We live by God's revelation. And what God has given to us is sufficient for us in every way, even when we don't fully understand, even when we don't fully know, yea, even when we don't fully believe. 
This can become a great distraction for Christians to demand more from God than he has given. You see, believing the gospel doesn't mean that we can trust when we have enough to satisfy our doubts or unbelief. Believe means that we trust and obey because of who we know God is and what he has done for us. Who God is, his character, his nature, demonstrates that he is worthy of all of our faith. And learning what he has done for us in the cross of Jesus Christ and what that means for us is the wooing of us. To this. In other words, he's not only worthy, but he's loving. And this is what he gives to us. Trust for us, friends, means that we rest in the fullness of God's revelation to us as sufficient for us. Last week, I talked about our one hope and how we don't need a better hope, we need a better anchor. In other words, it's not about us demonstrating or doing for God, but rather it's about us completely depending upon God. And when our life is anchored to the only better, uh, when our life is tethered to the only better anchor, that is Jesus Christ, we will see our faith and our love increase as God wants it to. And that's why Jesus is the only one that is worthy to satisfy all of life's demand. He is truth to satisfy our faith in every dimension of our life, intellectually, emotionally, and psychologically, and and holistically. He is the object of our love that not only gives love to us that is all satisfying for us, but receives love from us as we worship him and never, ever returns on that love in a way that is less than the love that is given to him. And when he anchors our life, he brings us in the direction of his glory by our faith and our love growing within us. And so this is what it means for us to trust in God, not to trust in what we can comprehend because that's the eyes of the mind, not to trust in what we can see the, the, the tangible of this world, but to trust where sight ends, our faith begins. And because of what he has said to us, his revelation when we trust, we receive that as sufficient for us. You see, friends, unbelief masquerades as faith when we demand God give us more before we obey. And all that God teaches in his word is sufficient for us. This is the revelation that he has given to us. It is sufficient for our security. It is sufficient for our well-being. It is sufficient for our certainty, and it is sufficient for our assurance, regardless of how uncomfortable it will make us at times. It is sufficient for our direction. It is sufficient for our eternal destiny regardless of how short-sighted we may be regarding the direction in which 
it points us. Christians live ready by the Lord's revelation that Jesus will return. And being ready for his return is determined by how we live now. This is the first truth that Jesus will return upon which we can live ready for his return. But the second extends from it. Verses 4 through 8. Look with me back at those verses. He goes on, But you are not in darkness, brothers and sisters, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. Friends, the second truth by which Christians live ready is this. By our new identity in Jesus Christ, we are children of light. We are children of the day. Christians live differently because we have a distinct identity. We are a new creation, children of light. And our expectation of Jesus' return is not an anticipation of shock and awe, but it is a peaked anticipation, not a consternation. I don't know about you, but man, when families come into our house, there is a grand preparation. And I'm not sure what it's like at your house, but... I bet you can in some way relate to this. When, when family's coming, it, it's a life-altering experience. As a matter of fact, whatever you had on the agenda for that day, stop. Right now, it just changed. Your calendar just got cleared. Everything gets changed from what it has been, even what it was planned to be, to what mama says it's going to be. Right, I mean, we go through a major renovation and we go through the house to prepare because family is coming. Once the house is repainted, redecorated, reorganized, and completely reassembled, we can sit for just a few minutes before the family arrives. Usually 25 to 35 minutes is about the time we complete. It is interesting how in that period of time so much can be accomplished. Then we sit to rest and catch our breath before family arrives, but not on the furniture. We don't want the cushions to get smushed. Right? Men, I know you are scared to death to laugh and agree with me right now, but it's okay. It's a a safe place. The last 30 minutes, quite frankly, seems to take forever. And I'm sure it's because of the flurry of activity that you've been engrossed in for hours prior to that to prepare. But then comes the moment. Someone says, they're here! And everybody runs to the front door and all of a sudden, in an instant, there is this moment of absolute chaos, rush of adrenaline. I mean, the car is not even completely in the driveway. Kids are bailing out the window. They're crushing through the doors and the cousins are going nuts and ballistic right there. And you're like, ah! 
you know, yeah. And, and, and all of a sudden, family has shown up, right? Has shown up. Yes. That's what it does to you. And you hear someone say, man, we thought you'd never arrive. And another says, we thought we'd never get here. But now we are here. This, this is what Paul is speaking of about the Lord's return, friends. We, we know Jesus is coming. We're getting ready because we're family. We, we don't prepare for Jesus is coming in the way other people's disregard it. Family is coming and that changes the way we live for the anticipation of his arrival. It is a life altering kind of anticipation that Paul has in mind here because we are not children of the dark. We are children of the light. We are not children of the night. We are children of the day. We know Jesus and because we are family and he is coming, we live ready. He's told us he's coming and what he said directs the way we live in order to be ready for him. Friends, when Christians live by our identity in Christ, we walk by faith in the light of the truth of his word. Our preparedness for Jesus' return also directs, Paul says, how we do not live. This contrast to understand what it means to live by our identity and not to live in contrast to our identity or counter to our identity. Christians live prepared by a life that is poised on Jesus and our posture is one of being awake and sober. Friends, the attention, the energy, the thinking, and the activity of your life is focused on Jesus when you are living ready for him. We do not engage our life intentionally or passively in that which thrives in the dark because that is counter to who we are. This is so critical in your war against the sins that so easily entangle you. That when that temptation comes, you say to yourself what you know to be true of you, even when you are tempted to believe something else. That this is not who I am because of what Christ has made me. We are children of the light, the practices, and the patterns, and the proclamation of our life points to Jesus at all times. And awake means that our attention to Jesus' return is producing a sober conviction of how we live ready for his return. Christians do not live as those of the night or of the dark, neither those who are asleep nor drunk. You see, unintentional disinterest is what Paul is talking about here. He's telling us to wake up, that the Lord's return is not something that we can be disinterested in, neither intentionally, which is obviously unbelief, or unintentional, being passive about it, being apathetic. Oh yeah, it'll happen. I believe it. But it doesn't change anything about the way you live. He also says we cannot have intentional disregard. In other words, we can't be drunk. 
Because both of these produce the same unpreparedness. They both represent the darkness. And listen, friends, unless you are so deceived to believe, well, I don't even drink alcohol or I don't drink it that much, do not limit drunkenness to alcohol because what Paul is speaking of here is the intentional disregard for the Lord's return by the replanting something else with it so that we are distracted and unable to direct the faculties of our life to give our first attentions to it. A lot of people are drunk on their recreation. A lot of people are drunk on their work. They're drunk on relationships. They're drunk on self-pleasure. They're drunk by a lot of different things, and surely substance is one of those things. But do not misunderstand that you cannot be drunk because you limit it to one or two items you could be drunk on anything that causes you to intentionally disregard the return of Jesus and therefore be prepared for when he comes again when a Christian participates in activities in the ways of darkness they live in a way that is counter to their identity and when a Christian remains in sin by their practice so the indulgence When they remain in sin by their participation, maybe not immediate indulgence, but maybe even just the encouraging. When they remain in sin, or we might even say under sin by their pattern of thinking, they shape their whole life by the darkness. And you know what the darkness tells us? You're good. You got this. Peace and security. Chill out, man. It's okay. All these little mantras... But Paul's already identified for us is the dark speaking to us. You see, friends, Christians do not live disinterested. We don't live unconcerned. We don't live neglectful. Neither do we live rebellious regarding Jesus' return. We live attentive and intentional to his return because we are children of light. Families coming. We need to live ready for when they arrive. Christians live as children of light because we've been rescued from the kingdom of darkness. Colossians 1 verse 13 says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, this is the truth of God's revelation by which we live our life. And we live ready when we live by our new identity that we are children of light. Christians live as children of light by putting on the truth of God's word, Paul says. Faith and love are the breastplate that armors us. And while our peace and security are not found in the activity or the givings of this world, we have peace and courage from the breastplate that we are armored with in Jesus Christ. Because of what we know to be true of him, because of what we receive from him in faith and in love, it armors us against the attacks of this world, principally the false teaching and the lies and deceit of the evil one. And we do that also with the hope of salvation that is a helmet up on us that guards our mind and gives clarity to our thinking that we might see the direction and the actions that we should be taking in our life by the revelation from his word. You see, friends, the way you live reveals what you believe about Jesus. That's faith. 
The way you live reveals what you believe about his sacrifice for you. That's love. The way you live reveals what you believe and about how he is worthy of all your hope. Christians consume our life by our new identity in Christ that we might live out from this identity and we live prepared to welcome Jesus at his return by the way we walk armored by him. Christians walk in God's light to live by our new identity in Jesus. We are children of light. And he continues to give us this third truth. Look at verse 9 and 10. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Christians live ready, number three, by remembering the destiny that Jesus has obtained for us, our salvation. Christians live by a deep assurance, friends, that we need not demand to know all because we reside in the one who is our all in all. This is why Romans 8 is so critical for us. That we believe that no matter what happens, God will work it for our good. He will bring good to us out of it. And friends, this is not some kind of concession on our part. Rather, it's a deep conviction that holds us when anything seems insufficient. Lord, I don't know that I have enough. I don't know that I know enough. I don't know that I can produce enough. But friends, by faith in Jesus, life is certain and sure, not maybe or uncertain. And when we don't know if we can trust, but we take that first step in order to trust, faith begins to build more and more. And when we want something different, but God calls us to trust in him and in his love, and we uh, we set our life in the love that he has given for us, rejecting the other sources of the world that might show us a greater love or promising us a greater love. We trust in him and he pours his love out upon us more and more. Friends, we know that we are God's chosen because of the power of his word at work within us by the presence of his Holy Spirit that is alive in us. And our salvation is sure in Jesus Christ. Therefore, our life is secure in him. Because our salvation is sure, our life is secure. The faithfulness of Jesus determines the certainty and the assurance of our salvation, not the effectiveness of our performance. The eternal security of the Christian is as sure as Jesus' resurrection that conquered death to give life. Hear me, friends, because I know many of you wrestle with this. Doubts envelop you at times. We don't get overwhelmed in fear or crushed in spirit by the lies and the schemes of the evil one. Because our hope is set fully and our faith established firmly in the one who conquered. I tell you, I had quite another feat yesterday. Actually, Friday. And it was one of those moments where I thought fear and anxiety was going to overwhelm me. I climbed up on my roof. I know my life is not that deep, people. 
I had been told by my daughter that there were shingles. And with the storms of the last few weeks and several houses around us losing shingles, I thought maybe I've just missed something. And not wanting to call a roofer out just to make sure, I decided I have a ladder, I'll climb up there. No problem. Scamper eight feet up the ladder, everything is good. When this foot lifts and goes to the shingles, everything goes to very, very bad. Well, I I figured out how I was going to do it. And I kind of got in the crook so I could kind of get, you know, leverage to climb up. And like Spider-Man, I scaled, well, kind of like Spider-Man, I scaled up to the peak where I had to look over because I couldn't see it from any other angle by the way the roof is built. And I looked and I thought there was a a single thing of shingles, but I think it had blown off someone else's house because it wasn't missing from my own roof anywhere. And then I made this mistake. I turned and I looked down. And in that instant, friends, I'm telling you, I know what people who do not believe in Jesus are going to experience when he returns. Shock and awe struck my heart. And I mean, I'm flipping out. I'm going, okay, I'm just going to call Kristen. I'm going to have her get a rope, throw it up to me. I'll have her tie it off on the deck and I'll rappel down. Because I did that one time in college. These are actual thoughts that are going through my mind. I'm going to turn over and I'm going to slide on my posterior and I will anchor my foot on the ladder as I get to it and that'll stop me. And then I had these visions of seeing my whole body flung over onto the ground because I hit the ladder so hard. And all I can think is, Lane, get a hold of yourself. What is wrong with you, man? I needed a Laverne and Shirley moment. For those of you who are over the age of 40, you know I needed somebody to slap me across the face and wake me up. And I just told myself in a moment of clarity of thinking, Lane, your life is not going to end today. Probably. (laughs) Though you might be injured. And when I got down off of that roof, I'm not lying. I went and sat in my room and began to read for about an hour. And Kristen came in and said, are you okay? No, I said, I'm not. I am shaking with fear because I tried to get down off the house. Friends, Christians are overcomers because the one in whom our life is hidden, Jesus, has conquered and overcome. It's not questionable. It's not suspect. There's no, there's no unknown about it, even when it feels like there is to us. Christ died, the Bible says, once for all. Your salvation will only be once for all time. This is very important, friends, because Satan deceives us immensely in this way. There is no second. There are no multiple salvations. Christian destiny is set when our justification is decided and our new creation has come. When Jesus is your security, you don't have to question your destiny. And when Jesus is your destiny, 
you rest in him and him alone as your security. Make sure, friend, that you know you are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. That you might remember the destiny that God has appointed for you and live securely in it every day of your life. And so it leads me to ask, have you believed in Jesus? Have you placed your faith in Him, set your hope fully upon and trusted in Him alone? Friends, if you haven't, you need to decide that once and for all today. Do not walk out of here in the unknown, in the cloudiness of uncertainty. Walk out of here, not because of what you have done, but because of what Christ has done for you. Christians live ready by remembering our destiny that Jesus has already obtained for us, our salvation. The fourth truth, verse 11, Paul says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. The fourth truth by which Christians live ready is by the courage and strength that Jesus gives now. Paul reminds where our courage comes from, that we remember the Lord's return and that we remind one another of this regularly. What you believe about Jesus will always determine how you live in the here and now. The only way to live fully assured and secured in your salvation is to walk daily with Jesus. Friends, you will always take the greatest comfort in, you will always find your deepest hope in, and you will always draw regular strength from that which you are most familiar with. Walking daily with Jesus strengthens us in our relationship with Him by more and more faith, more and more love, because our hope is set in Him. And when you walk daily with Jesus, you walk daily together with other Christ followers. Together, friends, is as critical a practice for the believer because other Christ followers become a regular source through which his strength and courage to follow him flows to you. You need people repeating repeatedly in your life what God has said to us. And while our destiny is secure, the reality of the hearing that here and now can be difficult and challenging. But God's will for you is to walk daily with other Christ followers, to depend on one another for the courage and for the strength that only Jesus gives to come through only those who know him. Friends, the way to live encouraged in the Christian life and the way to live built up in the Christian life is to walk daily with Christian people. When you are weak in Jesus' courage and weak in strength, it's likely because you've been distant from his people. Christians live ready by the courage and the strength that Jesus gives now when we walk with other Christ followers for daily courage and strength. Christians live ready for God's more by consuming life with Jesus now. Let's pray.